We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today we get to tune in and listen to our July breakfast with Pastor Marty Sloan. Let's tune in and listen to his message to the Brotherhood. Hey, good morning, guys. You guys doing okay today? Everybody okay? Are you sure? I was noticing, I was noticing, yeah, one guy at the back, he's happy to be here today. Um, I was noticing the American flag behind the logo. Uh, that's how you know when you're in Oklahoma. Because I pastor Chicago, land, you would not see an American flag anywhere on any church thing anywhere. So just a different, you guys are like, it's okay to laugh at that, by the way. You're kind of looking at me like... Is that okay or not, yes or no? I, I know when you speak, uh, if you've ever been in a public speaking situation, um, there's always things that make speaking easier or more, or more difficult. Uh, time of day, let's see, it's 7 a.m., that's a problem. Um, the, the alertness of the audience, it's 7 a.m., that's a problem. Um, the, the general uh, interest in what you're about to say, uh, you have bacon, that's a problem. Uh, so, but here's what you got to know today. We're going to have fun. It'll be brief. I promise you, uh, Pastor Lee said to go maybe an hour-ish, and so we'll do that today. If at any point you start disconnecting, just eat your neighbor's bacon because they left a plate uh, full of bacon for sure, so just pick up on that. I want to take you today briefly to the scripture, and then my goal is to just share a few things with you briefly and, and just see how you respond. You know, we live in a world today that definitely is looking for um, some men who are men of God to step up and lead their families, themselves, their churches, and I would even say lead our nation. I would love to see men of God continue to grow in leading our culture. God has always worked through mankind to lead the earth. You guys know that, right? And so today I want to get you bought into that idea. Who would be willing to say, Marty, I want to be a man that God is looking for? Who would want to say, I want to be a man God's looking for? Put your hand up real high, real fast, real fast. Some of you guys are going, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on yet. Anyway, the scripture says to us, Lord, watch this quick. The scripture says to us in Chronicles chapter 1, verse 16, verse 9, it says, The eyes of the Lord are roaming to and fro throughout the earth to seek those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking for men who are fully committed to him. Now, when we think about that, what does that look like? Well, let's go real fast to scripture. I'm gonna take you through the first 12 books of the Bible. And we're gonna look at four different men and their response to God and the impact it had on them on their families and on generations yet to come. Do you realize, guys, that your choices today literally do not just impact you? But if you're married, they impact a wife. If you have kids, they impact your kids. If you have grandkids, they impact grandkids. Listen, your choices impact generations no matter what stage of life that you're in. You never reach the place as a man in which you can say, well, no one will be affected by what I'm about to do. That just simply is not true. I remember when I was going to become a dad, and I first uh, was alert to this. I was a young man, 
We've been married, uh, been married about a year, year plus, and my wife had put me on notice that we had done something, and now she's expecting a baby. And um, I mean, you guys are slow. You're just kind of rolling in this morning. It wasn't my idea, it was her idea. And so anyway, I mean, I was just there to be a support. And see, now you're laughing, you're Lucy. I, would, I found out what you want to talk about. Um, I was sitting at a Promise Keepers conference. And as you guys know, Promise Keepers, everybody cries, right? That's kind of like, like a man thing. And I was just weeping and I was just crying because it just hit me. It just hit me that somebody is going to come to this earth and they're going to watch me and what I do will affect the entirety of their life. Now, you may not have thought that way, but in that moment at that place in Indianapolis at the Hoosier Dome back in the day, I sat there and I just began to just weep with this, this overwhelming sense of, oh my goodness, what have I done? I mean, I, I knew what we had done, but it, it, it's, <laughs> I was weighted by the decision and weighted by the reality that somebody would come to this earth and not just come to earth, but live an eternal life and live in one or two places eternally and that my modeling would be significant to them. Let's go to the first guy. The guy's named Adam. He's a guy named, who's ever heard of Adam real fast in the Bible? Adam was the first guy I ever made. He's the dirt man, and God made all the dirt, right? He's a dirt man, so if you're a dirt guy, you're an Adam. If you work in dirt, call yourself Adam. Adam is in the scripture. He's Genesis chapter one through four. And Adam was a man born to a perfect world. Adam was birthed or brought, not birthed, but he was brought, made into a perfect world. And Adam was placed in front of everything he would ever need. And God simply said, this is all yours. Do what you want, but over here, don't mess with that. What did Adam go and do? He just began to mess with the wrong thing. First of all, he messed with Eve, then she messed with the tree, then she messed with him. We see how this all works. So we see this story unfold, and Adam is here in Scripture, and Adam was a disobedient man in a perfect world. Everything was right for Adam. There was nothing he was lacking. His fallout was significant. Because of Adam, sin now comes in, death now comes in, and what was once easy to perform, which is a work back in those days, has now become a toil of labor because now the earth has begun to push back against Adam's own hands working in the garden. And so what was once very simple now became complex, and even this happened. Go to the next chapter, chapter four in Genesis, and watch this. Adam's one son killed his other son. Yet we see the picture of God's redemptive heart because even in the redemption of Adam, while Adam was running from God, God was seeking after Adam. And so we see this picture of God's redemptive heart toward Adam because Adam then begins to experience God's redemptive power by God giving Adam another son. So God's always searching for someone today. What about Noah, Genesis 6 through 10? You've heard heard of, of, of a man named Noah. Noah was an obedient man in an imperfect world. Why did God destroy the earth? Because the earth was wicked. Noah shows up on the scene. Noah is a guy who obeys God's voice, does what God says to do. The first guy's got a perfect world. He disobeys God. The second guy has an imperfect world, and he obeys God. He builds an ark when it had never rained. He builds this ark of of, of massive structure of wood, and people are coming by saying, man, what are you doing? He is obeying God even when the culture is pushing against him. He is obeying the Father in heaven. So here we have a perfect guy, or perfect world and a, and a disobedient guy. Here we have an obedient guy in an imperfect world. And there's a guy named Terah in Genesis chapter 
11. Who's Terah? Terah is Abraham's father. Terah is a guy who literally was a pagan worshiper. He was wealthy and he was on a journey, some believe, to Canaan land. He was on a journey and he stopped at a place called Haran. Why is that significant to us? Haran is the name of his son who passed away. Are those connected? I don't know, but it's interesting for sure. Because many people stop their journey when something tragic happens in life. I've watched it for years as a pastor. So here we have a guy, Terah, who's Abraham's father. He was a pagan worshiper. He worshiped the gods of the pagan culture, the gods of the earth. And then we have a guy named Abraham in the conversation. So the first guy, Adam, he's a disobedient guy in a perfect world. The second guy, Noah, he is a obedient guy in an imperfect and wicked world. And then Terah, we don't know a lot about him, but we do know he was a pagan worshiper and we know he stopped in a place that had the same name as a son he had lost. So maybe today you're in a place in which you keep thinking that if your world was different around you, you'd be different on the inside. That simply is not true because who you are on the inside has zero to do with the world on the outside of you. You get to pick and choose who you are on the inside. Or maybe that you're thinking, man, if this hadn't happened, I would be over here. Not true. You can still make many things a personal choice no matter what's happened around you in your entire life. And what about Abraham? Abraham, we know a lot about Abraham. We know a couple things early on. Early on, we know he was old and we know his wife was barren. Now, why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem because God had promised him, I'm gonna make you a great nation. So all of a sudden, you got an old guy and a barren woman, and God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. So think about this dilemma already. He's too old to even want to have a baby. He just wants to take a nap, and she is barren. So God says, I'm going to take two people who could not make it happen, and I will make it happen for them. That's because God is a God of the impossible. What did Abraham do? Abraham followed How does this all come together? Watch this close. Each one of us today have the opportunity to decide, are we going to respond to God above us or the world around us at a greater level? Everybody in this story so far, everybody in the first 12 chapters of the Bible made the choice within themselves to respond to God above them versus the culture around them. Noah had to push past all the pressure of folks walking by going, man, you're a fool. You can follow God today and some will call you a fool. They'll call you crazy. They'll call you, uh, he's out there. Really? Are you the one that's out there? See, our world pushes back on this and Noah had the same tension. Noah had the same issue because he was building an ark in a place that had never yet even rained and proclaiming this massive judgment upon the earth. And so he's beginning to realize that God, I, I, I sure hope you're, you're speaking. And I can promise you just in my own heart and how I think about things, I can almost guarantee you that Noah was once in that ark and Noah's praying, I sure hope it rains. I really hope, I'm, I'm waiting for that first drop. I need to hear something come down because I've done all of this. When you think about these four guys all in one bowl of thought, it's really simple to consider that in every story we just talked about, every man made a choice to obey or disobey God. And the choice that they made affected not just them, but literally 
their families. I bet you Noah's kids, who maybe were probably a little bit anti the ark building business. If I know anything about kids and dads on Saturdays and work days at the house, it's easy for kids to push back on dads all day long. We're going to do, ah. I can guarantee that as their ark floated away and the family was safe, that in their hearts, something said, thanks, dad. Thanks for building this ark. He was the one that had the leadership. He had the idea from God above that he responded to and he built a refuge for his family. And I can just guarantee that all the frustration, all the pressure, all the tension that took place in building the ark process went away super fast when the earth began to flood out. Dads, you're an ark for a family in a flooding world. You're the guy that can step up to the next tier and create a safe place for your kids to survive this life. You're the guy. And if you won't do it, there's not a better person to do it than you. Culture can't do it. The church can't do it. Listen, I'm a church guy. I'm a pastor. I love the church. But I'm telling you, the church cannot outperform the family. You're the key. You're the key. And so you can be in this conversation. You can look at Adam. You can look at Noah. You can look at Terry. You can look at Abraham. And you can see all these guys together in a collective thought. Everybody in the stories I just talked about has an opportunity to respond to God or to disobey God. And whatever they would decide to do that would affect them, their families, and generations yet to come. In these stories, you can clearly see that you could be a perfect man in a sinful world. Or you could be a sinful man in a perfect world. It's all up to you and God. See, God is still searching even today for people who will stand and follow him no matter what happens around them. Um, i never forget this. Years ago, I was um, in a situation. I was, I was at the gym working out. And um, we we're doing curls and, and you because know, curls have to have a mirror. And so... You know, because you can't curl out a mirror. You guys know it doesn't work any other way. You've got to have a mirror. So we're, we're standing there curling, and I'm standing here, and my, my buddy's standing there. On the other side of him was this girl, um, you know, who, who was probably maybe 10 years younger than him, and she was certainly working out. And, um, and I'm lifting, I'm curling, and he says something to her that just sounded way off track. And it, had, it, was, it was referral to her looks, her physique. And he's a married dude. He's a buddy. I was just like, oh my goodness, what did he just say to her? So she walked away, and I looked at my friend. I said, hey, do you think your wife would want to know you just said that? Dude turned 17 different shades. He's like, uh, no. I said, man, come on. Be better than that. Now, was I, was I out of place? Well, he was in my space. I heard what he said. And if he's a brother and he's a friend, I'm not going to turn my head while he makes a dumb decision. Now, you might say, well, Marty, that's just not my place to speak up. Really? I wonder how many men today would be on different tracks if someone had spoke up. Someone that loved them, cared about them, wasn't trying to attack him. I wasn't trying to attack my guy. But I wasn't going to let him turn down a bad path on my watch while I stood there and did nothing. See, we have a choice today, men, to stand by and do nothing or to respond to God. Why did I say that? Because I thought that God's plan for him was different 
than flirt with a girl 10 years younger than him while he's a married man. He just looked at me. I just said, man, you think your wife would want to know you just said that? See, the awkwardness, you might think, oh, man, that's just awkward. I can't do that. Yeah, you can. Well, you're he going to argue with you. Well, that wasn't the point. It was about me honoring what I know God's word and God's voice is when my brother was making bad choices right next to me. See, when you think about all four of these guys in closing out, they bring us to the conclusion that we have the opportunity even today to decide to lead ourselves. So I'm going to give you three challenges real fast. Before I give them to you, I want to ask a question again. Is there anybody here today who's prepared to stand and say, Marty, I'll be a man. I'll be the man that God's looking for. I'll, I'll be that man. Here's three areas real fast. Number one, I want you to lead yourself. Lead yourself. Start with you. Men, if I know anything about being a man, I know it's hard to lead myself. If I can conquer me, I've conquered a major enemy. If I can control me, I've done something significant. If I can just say no to Oreos, I've conquered death, hell, and the grave. And I show up today and they have French toast casserole. Folks, that's gotta be laced with something illegal. You know it is. I mean, French toast, hallelujah, casserole, hallelujah. I mean, it's like together in one pot. I mean, how more beautiful could this ever be? If I can just conquer me, so lead yourself in the area of devoted discipleship. I want to encourage you guys, don't just come to church or don't just attend events like this. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, take an intentional path of devoted discipleship which means to study the words of Jesus. Do what he would do and then teach somebody else what he did. Study, do, teach. That's a disciple of Christ. Study, do, and teach. That's a disciple. If you're not part of a local church, just keep hanging around here. It's a great place. It's a safe place. You can be loved just like you are. Come as you are. Experience brotherhood. Experience connection because this church receives people as they are. You say, Marty, I'm kind of jacked up. Welcome. Everybody here is jacked up. That's why we need Jesus in our life. That's why we come to the house of God. That, that's why we come and open the word of God. That's why we come in brotherhood moments like this to, to experience community of people who are also on a journey to become more like Christ. I promise you, the perfect people don't come to church. Anybody here perfect? I'm not. The people that want to be more like Christ come to church and come to the house of God keep showing up. Lead yourself. Secondly, lead your family. And in this arena, lead your family by the idea of living a consecrated life. Live a different life. Don't let everybody else decide for you. As for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord. I can't speak for you. I'm a Buckeye fan, so we therefore by default, we hate Michigan. I've raised my kids that way. It's been clear from day one. If you're going to cheer for that team, you're moving out. But that I'm five. Choices are tough, son. I'm a Broncos fan. Therefore, we hate the Raiders. We even hate the Patriots now. We've been so bad for five years, we just hate everybody. We're like Cowboys fans. Sorry. 
But my kids have been made, they're, 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 on, they're on first alert. Guys, in this house, we don't cheer for anything maize and blue, silver and black, or anything out of New England. Not even the Red Sox. We just hate them all. That's our calling as Broncos fans. If I'm going to be that clear about stupid things like that, how much more should I be clear about the things of heaven and earth, eternity and temporal things, heaven and hell, righteousness and sinfulness? How much more should I be the same? Well, Marty, I don't want to push God on somebody. I don't want to push God on my family. You don't want to push God on your family. You give your kids a bedtime, don't you? You give your kids a curfew time, don't you? What's wrong with saying we're going to go to church in this house? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with leading your family spiritually? Now watch this. You can't lead your family if you can't lead yourself first. I mean, I'd be terrible to lead you on a vegan diet. You look at me and go, there's just no way that guy's vegan. I mean, even the simplest of minds would not pass that one, right? It's like, there's just no way. No, I eat the things that eat vegan things. So you think about this, if I, if I can lead me, then I can lead my family. Now, here's the third area. I want to challenge you guys. If you're part of this church in particular or part of a church, I want you to lead your church well. Lead your church, watch this close, lead your church by living a dedicated life. I know that a lot has happened in the last two or three years, really the last several decades in the church in general. But the one thing that's affecting the church that no one talks about is just the general apathy towards spiritual things. And we deal with it all the time. I mean, it's, it's hard to get folks to plan for eternal life. They barely plan for vacation. When you start talking about after death, well, what's that, what's that? Well, think about this. Everybody here today needs an eternal hope. We're eternal beings. And maybe you're even here today in this house, maybe you've never accepted Christ as a Savior. Today could be your day to make that decision. Because at some point in your life, you'll leave this life. All of us know somebody who's left this life. And every one of us, beginning with me and beginning with all of you, we will stand before a holy God one day. And he will look at our life and he will decide, based upon our decisions, we'll decide where we go. You may not want to believe that, but it's reality. Nothing in life just ever just dissipates or ends. It always has a continuation to it. So today could be the day you make a choice for Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. I want to live a different life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Today could be your day. Lead your church by living dedicated to your church. Show up. These events are great. I, I applaud you guys coming out today. Man, way to be here. What a great time. Great food, great friends, great fun. And I'm almost done. That's even better, isn't it? But show up at your church. Serve. Engage. Find a place. Dedicate yourself. So many things pull us these days to dedicate ourselves to. So many things draw our time, our, 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 our resources. So many things pull on everything in our journey. But be sure that the church is central to what you do because the church is the eternal body of Christ. And you want to go to heaven when you die. So lead yourself, lead your families, and lead your church. You're in a great church. This is a great church. COTM is a great place to worship God. Great place for community. Great place for Bible teaching leadership. Great place to plug in 
and let your life become different. This is a great house for you. I know that. I've been here. I've used to attend service here every Saturday and preach in Arkansas on Sunday. Love this place. God's moving. God's word is true here. Stay in the house of God. Lead yourself. Lead your family. And lead your church. Why? Because God's still looking for somebody who will be an obedient man in a sinful world. He's looking for somebody who will worship him in a world of idols. He's looking for somebody who will respond to him and follow him when everybody else is following the wrong people. He is still looking today. So my question right now is who in this house is saying, Marty, I will stand and I will be that man. I'll be that guy. Who will stand today right now and say, I'll be that man? Anybody? Anybody going to stand and be that man? I got one. Anybody else? I'll stand today. I'll be that man. I'll lead myself. I'll lead my family. And I'll lead my church. Can I just pray for you right now? Before I do that, I want to pray this prayer. If you're here today in the house, and maybe you're just here for here, like, man, I just heard about French toast. I'm not sure what all the rest of this is. If you've never made a choice to make Jesus Christ the Savior of your life, of your soul, I want to pray with you right now. I know it's early, I know you're thinking, I've heard a lot today, but if you want to just take a step of faith and say, Jesus, be my Savior, be my Lord today. Forgive all my sins. Wash me clean. Give me eternal hope. If that is your prayer today for your life, no matter where you're at, I want to pray with you right now. Anybody here today in the house, you'd say, Marty, I want to be that man. I want to, I want to give my heart to God today. I want to be a person who gives their life to Christ. Just put your hand, just real fast, wave your hand real fast. Thank you very much. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you very much. Anybody else? Thank you very much. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Just wave at me real fast. Anybody else? Right here. Thank you very much. Anybody else? Five, six, seven maybe? Okay. Praise God. I'm going to pray with you real fast. Repeat this prayer with me. Come on, say, Father God. Every man here, come on, say, Father God. Thank you for sending Jesus to be my Savior. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I confess today that I am a sinner in need of a savior. And today I announce you as the risen son of God, my savior and my Lord. In your name I pray, amen. Come on, give God a praise for saving grace today. Now, let me, let me pray for all of you today. I wanna just pray for you. And you say, Marty, I wanna be a man who leads himself, leads his family, and leads his church. I'm gonna pray for you right now, okay? Father, I thank you for every man today who has stood and said, I wanna be that man. God, you're searching and we're answering your call today. And Father, I pray by faith that right now you would give us the strength by your spirit to be a obedient man, a worshipful man, and a man that follows after you And may our response to you above us be greater than our response to the culture around us. Let us be those men today by your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. 